Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. X-Pac 12360, featuring weekly news, insider commentary, and interviews with superstars, past and present from the world of pro wrestling. A new day is dawning for DX. And now, your hosts, Sean, X-Pac, Wolfman. Welcome to X-Pac 12360. Um, oh, fuck. I don't want to... I, I'm just going to get this part out of the way. Not even, that's not even the right way to put it, get this out of the way. My children's mother passed away this week. Um, we were still legally married. We were separated since 2002. Um, her name is Terry. And, um, and she fought really hard in the last few years uh, to try to get better. And, you know, when you just, when you try over and over again and you keep failing and you really give it a... an honest effort, sometimes you just go fuck it, you know, and all the collateral damage that happens around you because you just can't seem to fucking get this right and I've been there I felt it I, didn't, I never thought I was going to come up out of this shit myself um, but um, you just finally and, and I've been there too where you just go fuck it obviously people know my story um, but um, you know I just think she um she she just she had enough fighting she uh i don't know i, I, I look i don't want this show is for people to escape and to um you know to forget about the things that you know that bring us down in the real world and not that this isn't the real world but you know and the things that divide us this show is, is to make people forget about those things but it's really hard i can't not talk about this so i'm gonna get like you know i just want to acknowledge my both of my children jesse and caitlin and the amazing job they've done and holding it together and stepping up and i'm not there i'm two thousand miles away here doing the show i'm i think a little bit later on, i'm gonna get on a flight head that way so i can be with with them and uh and the fact that my children had to <sighs> they had to break the news to their 7 and 12 year old little baby sister and, and brother and uh, and watch them lose it and it's just god damn you know you know things are are 
you know what's going to happen. You know this person isn't going to make it and there's nothing you can do about it. And it's the most, it's like most helpless feeling in the world, you know? And, and now I know what a lot of people felt like that loved me, you know, when I was all fucked up. Uh, and I fucking, for some reason, I'm still here. So, uh, anyways, um, you know, um, shit. I love you, Terry. I, I, you know, hadn't talked to her in years, actually, probably four years or so. There was, you know, anyways, um, she was a good lady. And she tried. She really did. And she never stood a chance. I mean, she was hurt, hurting from the before I even met her. You know, she had one of the worst childhoods I've ever, ever um, heard of. And uh, and just the fact that she, you know. Anyways, all right, look. Uh, I'm going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about some news, and then we're going to hopefully have Road Warrior Animal on, one half of the greatest tag team of all time. Welcome back to X-Pac 12360, everyone. Uh, I guess we're going to talk about a little news. Denise, yes, what's going on in we wrestling? Are. So, as always, Twitter, rest, wrestling Twitter, whatever you want to call it, has something to talk about this week because, unfortunately, Liv Morgan did get injured yeah. on Raw, unfortunately, at the hands of Brie Bella. As always, you obviously would know this, Sean. You never want to be accountable for someone's injury. But what happened is Liv Morgan suffered a concussion from two yes kicks from Brie. On during a six man, it was uh, it was the Riot Squad versus the Bellas and Natalia, and unfortunately, so what happened was Bree had a series of kicks. I believe I counted; it was like between five and six or so. It may yeah. be wrong on the absolute on the sure number, but the last two kicks is basically what did it for her. She was knocked unconscious. You can see her body kind of go limp, yeah. and unfortunately, uh, they continued. The, well, she continued the match. You know, well, so they got good there, for yeah. her, you know, but at the same time, there is that argument that maybe she should have been taken out considering that she had a concussion. We still don't have complete details yeah. on this, but I don't know. What, what is your take? Well, the natural instinct when you get concussed, when you get knocked out, as soon as you come to is to fight, is to get up and want to keep going. Um, and it, And it's, I don't know, have you ever been knocked out? No. no, it's really a weird experience because you all of a sudden are laying on the ground and like there's this deja vu thing happens every time I have a concussion. I don't know if anyone else out there that's been knocked out a bunch of times uh, can uh, relate to that. But like every single time, even like last year um, uh, in, in the UK, I got knocked out and it was the same thing. All of a sudden I'm on the ground, on the mat having like deja vu like thing going through my head and i was like oh shit i got knocked out again mm. i just knew it you know but anyways uh yeah it's it's a tough call in a situation like that on live tv and you're all everyone's in the moment and and look i saw a clip of that and it looked like to me it just looked like the last one caught her 
Mm-hmm. Like, like because she was registering, you know, the kicks when she would get kicked, like, you know, you register, you sell, but part of the sell is the register where you're moving. Um, and so like, it was just like the, their timing just got messed up. It looked like to me. And as she was coming back down from the, from registering the, the kick, she got kicked with the, yes. with the last one. It looked like just the, the last one's what knocked her out to me. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Her head but, was rather, her head seemed to be a lot lower on that one than the previous yeah, kicks. I'm not quite yeah. sure why, yeah. but yeah. Well, you know, I mean, shit happens. Like yeah. we're, you know, and, and no one means to do that. Right. I mean, some people, even though they don't mean it, they're a little bit careless and they don't like back in the day that a lot more, like some people didn't give a shit. They would take liberties on you or just be reckless with you, you know, because they want to get over or mm-hmm. want their shit to look good. Uh, but well, one of the ar- other arguments being made is what about the referee? The referee, you know, Bree still dragged her to the corner. They yeah. st- she turned her around, turned her around, dragged her to the corner, obviously to kind of get her out of the way. But do you think that the referee should have done something sooner rather than later and wait until she was dragged all the way into the corner? Mm. Do you think that, that I, is the right I, I, call? Well, I I'm not going to fault anyone for not doing anything. Uh, if it wasn't part of the protocol. However, like this might be a good learning experience to start training the referees on what to do. I mean, I don't know if they already do. It's like I haven't been, you know, mm. like there. I haven't been present for, you know, the things that go on on a daily basis in WWE for quite a while. But, uh, you know, that would be something I'm pretty sure that they're probably already talking about, actually. Yeah. You know, knowing them. Well, do you think the ref should have counted three? Because she went for the pinfall after she knocked her out, and you could see he's like, she still kicks out. Somebody should have been thinking like somebody like when when somebody if you were making the cover, somebody but should have been go coming in there to make the save. Yes, you know, but you know people are so well. That's not part of the script. That's not part. That's that wasn't laid out in the back. So you know. But that's where we need to start, like, being able to veer from, you can veer from the, you know, from the beaten path and still get back on the path, mm. you know? And I don't think any, people know how to do that. What you know, about if the they fact have to veer off the path, they go, oh, what do I do? What do I do? Huh? What about the fact that she was still able to finish her, her match, you know? Do you think that that should have been like, no, let's not let her go in and finish this match knowing she's not completely there yes. right now? Yes. But I know that the mentality is to continue doing your match. Yeah, but the mentality is, is wrong mm-hmm. with what we know today. Oh, yeah. With what we know today, that's not what you do. And, and there's, you know, I commend people for wanting to keep going and pushing through and, you know, and all that, but there's no valor and destroying yourself out there. Uh, you know, and, and, and I just, or possibly we can't, someone else. yeah, we can't encourage that anymore. Yeah. I give Ruby Riot credit though. She clearly is the veteran of those three and she took control at that point when it looked, when it was obvious that Liv Morgan was yeah. injured and, you know, she did what she could. Well, do. you know, some people are better at thinking, you know, and, and critical thinking during situations than others are, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so good for her. Yes. I didn't see the whole thing, but I, that's, I'm happy to hear that. It Hopefully it's only, you know. Juice Robinson, when we had him on and he talked about in his 
tryout match, he got knocked out, and he just said, cover me. And all the agents were like, that's amazing. This guy knows. Because he was like, I can't do anything. I'm knocked out. Just cover me. Brilliant. So just that mentality. When, when she went for the pin, I thought the ref was going to count the three. But then the instinct of kicking out, and then like you said, no, we're we're off track. We need to get back on track. This yeah. is where we we need to end up here. And mm-hmm. clearly, Riot Squad won, so that wasn't the plan for them to get mm-hmm. pinned. But, yeah, but so know. what's the whole what's the big outrage over? So the thing that I've been seeing on Twitter is obviously so there's the people that are like, get Brie out of the ring. She's dangerous. She's sloppy. She's this and that. That's what people are no, saying. People then been, there's other yeah. people that are saying that they are treating her differently than the men. For example, the men were a man were to injure somebody. Okay, it happens. It's wrestling, but because it's Brie, people are losing it. So you know, there's the two. The two forces are clashing on Twitter. I guess you can say in terms of, you know, everybody's trying to point a yeah, finger, sort of deal. Because you know, the this thing that we all love so much called pro wrestling that used to unite everyone. Of course, everyone's going to veer out to yeah. like, I got my side. You got, you know, you know, it's. Somebody got hurt, and and uh, and it was an accident. And uh, and Brie Bella's a, both of the Bellas are very competent in the ring. You know, uh, yes, when you've been out for a long time, yeah, you're going to be a little bit rusty. Uh, but they bring a lot to the table, and um, uh, and Brie owned up to it immediately afterwards. Yeah. So I don't. I mean, I don't know what to tell her. As a, as a performer that's been knocked out by many people, like, like, uh, try not to be any more outraged than the person that actually got knocked out. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> For starters. There you go. So, all right, next. Yeah, exactly. All right, so moving on, on September 30th, New Japan returns to Long Beach at the Walter Pyramid for New Japan Fighting Spirit Unleashed, and they just recently announced the match card. They have nine matches. Um, I think I think it looks pretty good so yeah. far. Some of the matches, the main event will be Ishii and Okada versus Ibushi and Omega. Juice Robinson will be taking on Cody for the IWGP US title. The Bucks will be facing the Gorillas of Destiny. Osprey and Marty will yeah. be going up against each other, which I think think the last match they had was a five-star match so that's one of the matches to look forward to as well and there are still a lot more matches that are and going there's on a lot of people that are pissing and moaning about this whole well, thing there's a few people that are upset because they rather see you know kenny omega versus hiroshi tanahashi on this card versus seeing kenny oh, in a tag match huh? exactly they want big stuff right because you know new japan coming to long beach is you know special because so, we're so, special i guess you can say so Omega and Ibushi versus. So it's Ishii and Okada versus Ibushi and Omega. That's not special. I mean, it's special to Sounds me. Sounds pretty but damn people, special to me. Yeah. yeah, but they rather see like Wrestle Kingdom sort they, of stuff. They I want guess you all in say. New Japan styles. Essentially, what you're saying. There you go. I uh, see. I think the I. I think the card, just the stuff you mentioned to me earlier. We were talking about this. Fun. I'm like, who can bitch about that? Yeah. On paper, like. If you know like how people the chemistry of people with each other and like you know the just the the possibilities here of of the of the great stuff and the tag matches I mean see. you got Rapungi 3K Kazarian and Daniels are going to be involved I mean the start to finish it's going to be it's going to be fun Yeah okay so and Jeff Cobb Yeah who we talked to last week so wait for him I think it's going to be um great show I think they to me Personally, I think they uh, I think they returned to Long Beach too soon. That's just my opinion. Like I was when they, when I heard they were already going to be here this week, I'm like, what? 
So do you think they should have just done a different city? Or do you, do you mean U.S. too soon? No, or do you mean U.S. California too, too soon. soon? U.S. Okay. too soon. Because, like, when they do these shows, people come from a lot of different yeah. places. Cow Palace. And they just did Cow Palace. Mm-hmm. Freaking right up the road. Five hour, you know, five hour drive from here. Yep. People drive that to see New Japan. But not every goddamn month. <laughs> yeah. You no, know? I feel you. Shit. Especially Sorry. if you went to All In. Like if you did New Japan and NorCal and, and then you went and, to All In. You're and not I have an idea. Gorgeous. Like, let's try to, uh, like, this great, like, health that the industry is experiencing right now. Let's let's try to properly, like, take care of that and not just strip mine the fuck out of it and just run everything into the ground. Mm-hmm. How about that? I know the I know the temptation is there for the profit, you know, motive, and I get it. It's about money, and and the and the boom's only going to last so long. But you can extend it somewhat, you know, uh, when you don't just run it into the ground. It's just that, that's why it, it's it's the frequency, not the freaking card. It's the mm-hmm. frequency. I think that makes something not special. Well, as of right now, from what I've heard, the tickets are not yet sold out for this show. And last time at the Walter Pyramid, you know, I was there and there was you, there was some empty seats, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It's a great venue. Seats about 5,000? I'm not sure on the number on that. But I can tell you that there has been a difference in terms of the fans and the excitement and the electricity from their first, first show in, that they did yeah. in Long Beach. I forgot the name of the venue. Um by the convention center to the one that they did at the actual pyramid last time. But honestly, I, f- I personally feel that they probably just want to keep the hype going and keep us like wanting, wanting more, you know, 4,000, sure. 4,000 people they could see. So. I, you know, um, I stand by that. I stand by what I say about that. And I, I'm, I, I, uh, I just think that was a mistake to come back so soon. Yeah. This is my opinion, but you know, a pretty educated opinion, I think. So, God, I didn't mean to sound like that. <laughs> You're right, though. I mean, people, like you said, Jimbo, people travel to All In. They travel yeah, to Yeah, but Cal people Palace. know I have an educated opinion. I don't need to fucking yeah. tell everyone. Jesus Christ. <laughs> sorry about the... But that's why people tune into those. the show, though, to hear your opinion. Why am I saying sorry so This is much? your show. You say what you want. Yeah. All right, well, switching switching gears, Abyss has officially is going to be inducted at the 2018 Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame, October 13, the weekend of Bound for Glory, which is their biggest event of the year. Okay, if anyone, to me, uh, like carries the banner for TNA Impact, whatever you want to call it, whatever incarnations. And uh, and that it's been it's been abyss. He's so so incredibly talented. He's brilliant. Like yes. that, I like the the character he does the other one better. I oh, was Chris. just about to say that. Unbelievable. I'm not gonna Unbelievable. lie. When he first showed up as Joseph Park, I want to say about five years ago, it took me three weeks to realize it was, it was abyss. Him. That's how good yeah. he is, and it's so underrated. He is brilliant as yeah. Joseph Park, and. How is a six foot eight man adorable? Yet he is. Because that's how he is. Yeah. Because I'm I okay. Anyone like anybody out there that knows him personally, this is I can I'm, I'm imagining his Hall of Fame speech. I uh, just want to thank everyone. I uh, hope everyone's <laughs> not mad at me. I love you guys. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh, An ideal that's speech. how he is. That's exactly what and, and 
I forget who who was on one time, and I start talking like that. And they were like, that's exactly how we talk. <laughs> He's just the most wonderful guy you'll ever want to meet. And when him and Jeremy Borash were training for their tag match uh, about a year and a half ago, it was some of the most brilliant vignettes and funniest things I'd ever seen in wrestling. Their chemistry <laughs> together was unreal. I just I can't say enough about Abyss, Joseph Park. He's incredible. Good for you, my friend. And I want to have him on. Let's yes. get, let's get yeah, him on. Let's get I've been wanting to have him on for a long time, actually, because... Like, like, because of all the things I just said about him. That's why. We need to. Yeah. So, all right. What else? Well, I I think it's now the t- time to take a break, actually. Are you sure there's nothing else to talk about? Well, do you want to add? We can talk about uh, Jim Cornette. We have some yeah, news Yeah, let's from talk the- about the NWA right. 70th because that's a big deal, and I want to support well, them as much as I can. We had Dave Lagana two weeks ago, I believe, La- prior to well, I it two was weeks last- ago. No, oh, okay. we had Jeff Cobb, Jeff Cobb last, week. last week. So two weeks ago, we had Dave Lagana, who was talking about the NWA 70th show at the Nashville Fairgrounds. And we have some more news. Uh, Jim Cornette will be doing color commentary mm-hmm. for the event, and Tony Schiavone will be calling the main event. And again, the show is October 21st in Nashville, Tennessee. So Tony's not going to be calling the whole show? Just, just the, the main, main event? event? Yeah, well, uh, he's a major league wrestling, has him essentially... Full-time? And so uh, NWA made a statement saying, we thank MLW for allowing Tony to to call this one match, uh, the main event. And then where's Cornette? As far as I know, um, he's going to be doing the rest of the event. And then, of course, uh, Joe Galley will be calling lead, I think. Oh, from out here? Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. That'll be great. And uh, and I I always enjoyed Corny's um, color, color commentary. It's very colorful. I can't wait. (laughs) You know, uh, and it fits. You know, like, okay, you know, Corny can be a pretty divisive character in the industry, but I I just, I don't look at that. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes it's just way, it's a little too much, but um, anyway, I don't even know why I had to say that. I can't I'm just going to say, like, it does, I just, I, I'm happy to hear corny on uh color commentary i yeah. it's 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 great and yeah. he and Good giovanni are both going to be doing meet and greets you can get tickets at nwa70.com uh i can't wait i'm going to be there for sure i'm looking forward to it awesome yeah. awesome yeah well like they don't have any uh any of the just the just the main event mm-hmm. and uh and the national heavyweight the tournament. title tournament but, but they are far, getting a lot of press, it seems. Yeah. Like, they're out there. They're spreading the word. Like, people yeah. are talking about it, which is obviously the end goal of every show yeah. or promotion that anybody wants to run, you know? Yeah. That's going to... I wonder what. The, I wonder how the Nashville Fairgrounds is going to look for the for the event. Like, I wonder what they're going to do with it. I think it's going to look good. I like yeah. the venue. Aralucha did their the TV venue, taping yeah. there, and it was awesome. They set it up. It looked absolutely yeah, amazing. Yeah, and I, you would never know looking from the outside. <laughs> No, I know. Is it indoor Trust or outdoor? It's indoor. It's indoor. It's okay. Indoor. Yeah. When you hear fairgrounds, you think I mean, because I, that building could look absolutely awful on TV, or it can look amazing. Because I've seen it both. Hmm. Uh, when TNA first started, and they were running from there, they were experimenting with different camera angles and and like lighting and and like when you have the hard camera like too high, it looks like shit. Like you have to be coming in at the proper angle, like hmm. forty five degrees or or, or less. For my, I'm getting a little weight. I'm getting too technical on that. Show. No, but this is like all the experience you have and advice. People yeah, but I don't want to give up my trade secret. <laughs> uh-huh. okay. I'm going to save that so I can be. They a- can fill up the place essentially because they put the bleachers in and it looks really oh, nice. Yeah. They can fill it up. So I mean, and I, got, I think, I think they got air conditioner in there. No air conditioning. Really, yeah. they did. Yeah, yeah. They and did. we can't forget Cody still has to face Willie Mack this weekend so whoever the champion is after that match will face nick all has Co- have cody and and willie ever uh cross paths in, in the ring no 
That's good. That's good. I would really love to see that. And Willie Max, the Hollywood Heritage Champion from Championship Wrestling. So yeah. if you have title versus title. And he's just one of the most underrated guys in the whole entire industry. Agreed. Yeah. He's oh. a man. NWA70.com. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a break right now, and then we're going to come back with one half of the greatest tag team of all time, Rope Warrior Animal. Welcome back to X Pac 12360, everyone. I'm honored to be joined over the phone right now by i like to think that we've been friends for a long time and uh he is one half of the greatest tag team of all freaking time and currently the host of the what a rush podcast what a rush podcast he's real warrior animal make some noise yes hey joe Hey Sean, what's up, bud? Thank you for coming on, man. I, I, I'm, I'm like I wasn't like that wasn't just kind words. I'm sincerely honored to have you on, and uh, and I was just thinking um, a little earlier, and I'm kind of jumping around here, but um, uh, do you remember uh, my bachelor party? Yeah, vaguely. I think you... <laughs> well, let me just let me just tell you. Uh, it was, in it, um, it was you, um, Ro- Mike, Ro- Warrior Hawk, Darso, Kurt, Kurt Henning. Uh, we were at Brad Rangan's, uh, at his, at his dojo. Yeah, was, it, was that when Mike Patterson was there? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and, it, and Wayne and Mike Enos and Wayne Bloom, Mike yeah, e- yeah. and it I was, now. and I there was, it was my bachelor party, but there was no women. There was no strippers, nothing like that. And it, it was just a, just some some uh, you know we were drinking and uh, some people were smoking some pot and uh, actually somebody had yeah, some. Bro, mu- if I remember right, there was a lot of other hallucinogens. I was just about to say somebody broke out a bag of mushrooms and it was the greatest <laughs> one of the greatest times and the most I've ever laughed in my entire life. Just uh, a bunch bro, of guys just belly somebody, laughing. I was, I was telling somebody that story the other day. I said. My stomach the next day hurt so freaking much from belly laughing. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I remember a hawk going up to somebody and saying, hey, you came up to me, animal, where's your bag of mushrooms? Right. And, and he goes, and, and he ate the whole bag. Yeah. And then he looked at Mike Patterson and he said, hey, who invited you into my high? <laughs> <laughs> you have to know Mike Patterson. Like, it's kind of like, it's kind of inside baseball right now, but it's funny as shit to me because he, if I, if you knew Mike Patterson. But anyways, yeah, and I'm like, like I, I'm trying to roll a joint on the, on the wrestling mat, and all of a sudden, boom, and Hawk just dropped his big elbow right on my back. I was like, oh, shit. It's a typical anyway, bachelor party. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, Joe, you were like, um, that was one of the that was one of the the greatest uh, funnest times I ever had, and you're part of it, and I'm grateful for that. <laughs> so oh, I just want to get that you, out of the way. That that night goes down in my all time top three, probably in my life. That yeah. I've never laughed so freaking hard in my life. You know? <laughs> and you know, in our business, there's been plenty of funny times where we laughed our ass off. Yeah. You know, and, and that was that was one of them, man. It's just you know, <clears throat> of course, you know, you could all chuck it up. God rest his soul to. Uh, Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig, exactly. One, you know, he he was always the uh, he was a shit stir without stirring yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. No. Hey, and the thing is, is I got so much heat with the wife because it had like nobody knew this when they planned the thing, but it happened to be her birthday. 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Anyways, but man, Joe, uh, I my the first time I ever saw you guys, uh, well, you know, besides TV, you know, on TBS on on the six oh five show, was when, okay, I guess like the Georgia wrestling, kind of like. Florida wrestling got like you guys came down and did a little tour of Florida and and you guys worked with um with Brett and Buzz Sawyer in the Bayfront Center and I was a little kid I was like 10 or something I don't know and I was freaking in awe of you guys man I don't know if I ever told you that story but it was amazing it was amazing Yeah man we we used to go down there and work every once in a while for um for Eddie Graham and his yeah. dad you know and, uh, and and go down there and wrestle every once in a while. I remember uh, Kevin Sullivan used to bring us in down there. Yeah, Kevin told me a <clears throat> Kevin, and I'd like to jump around, but Kevin told me a story about uh, Battle of the Belts too. You remember that? It was you. It was it was you and uh, and and Mike ver- and and Blackjack Mulligan versus Sullivan, Bob Roop, and Purple Haze. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mark Lowen, I remember that. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin told me that it, he that Blackjack told him that if they sold too much for you guys, that they were gonna have to answer to him because he had an angle with them. Did you ever hear about that? No, I never heard about that. <laughs> but, but bro, it didn't matter because you know we were so freaking 110 miles an hour back then. Yeah. Guys were gonna sell anyway. <laughs> no shit, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, but you know, the funny story that Kevin told me about that whole time, you know, because uh, Hiro Matsuda owned that whole territory at yeah. the time, you know, and <clears throat> he said, "Hey, we need to bring these guys in here to, because uh, we need to change our business." Cause, you know, Florida Championship Wrestling at the time, though, Kevin told you was about ready to go under. Yeah, yeah, because Dusty and, uh, left. So- Dusty left and was kind of mainly just in, you know, Carolinas and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, then you know, all, the only person they had was Mulligan. And then, of course, those guys kept attacking Mulligan. And then, you know, <clears throat> then they attacked us one time. We went down there. And then, you know, we teamed up with Mulligan. And, and I think we, God, bro, I think we sold out, like, the, the next three major shows there. And, oh, and for Tampa, sure. We sold out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, it was pretty cool. And and that was the thing is they could, they did these, they did these shows. They were, like, some of the first super shows, like, hmm. uh, and, and, they were syndicated. They were shown live, but they were syndic- to syndicated markets uh, across the country, and 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 they would bring Joe and Mike. The, they would bring the Road Warriors in for each one of these, um, uh, you know, Battle of the Belt shows, and it was a, and it was the what guaranteed that they would draw a house. You know, and I because I remember the first one. It was it was you and Mike. It was supposed to be versus Hanson and Brody, but Brody didn't show up, and it ha- and it was it was Harley. Hmm. Jeez, I don't, I don't remember that one. No, but I I know it was a. Oh, we wrestled a Harley it, and uh, Hanson. Yeah, in, in Cleveland, Ohio. And I remember we, we, well, the four of us beat the dog crap out of each other. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it was be- a bunkhouse stampede match or a chain match or something or. You know, because I never understand with that big freaking bullwhip thing and that yeah. bell. Yeah, he cracked when I when I was a little kid. He cracked me upside the head with the bull rope on the way to the ring in the match that he worked with with you and Mike. The one I'm talking about. It was in Tampa. It was like oh, okay. the, the night before the Hurricane Elena came through Tampa, and and uh, like Martell was supposed to be there. Martell couldn't show up, and I don't know how you guys made it in. 
Oh, you know, I think I remember, now I remember that. Yeah. And I, now I remember that. Yeah, that hurricane came through. That's right. Was, was Stan Hansen's eyesight as bad as advertised in the ring? Oh, bro, he couldn't He couldn't see a lick. I remember one time, I'll give you a funny story. We were in Atlanta in the Omni, and Hawk and I was only wrestled about a month. And, uh, of course, Dusty's there, and Dusty had been for a show, and, they, and you know, he got you got to pitch her out. I mean, Ed Sharkey, God bless him, was our trainer, but he yeah. really didn't teach us very much stuff. <laughs> Definitely not in the <laughs> ring, that's for sure. He never got in the ring with us. Yeah. You know, he never got in the ring. So, so we're, here we are. We hit the ring, and we're beating the dogs out of Dusty, and Dusty had the scar on his head, you know, with the, with the butterfly bandage. He goes, open me up. And I said, what, what do you mean, open you up? <laughs> he goes, yeah, there's no way you ever told us what to do. He goes, hit me in my cut. And I said, oh, okay, bam. Next thing you know, he was gushing. <laughs> And Stan comes down to the ring. Well, at the time, Ole told us, listen, I'm going to send down, send down Stan Hansen. Whatever you do, don't let him in the ring. Well, we didn't know. He told Stan Hansen on a separate note, hey, no matter what you do, you get in the ring with the Road Warriors and you make them clear the ring. Is that what so, happened? <laughs> I saw it. I oh, was yeah. just watching that on a YouTube clip, Joe. I swear to God, like the <laughs> other night I was watching that. So... When Stan goes to climb up into the ring and I catch him out of the corner of my eye coming in the ring, I hit the ropes like a freaking freight train and I hit Stan so hard, I think he flew into like the third row. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then he got so mad, he came back in with a chair and he beat the dog yeah. the hawk and I. Yes. I mean, bam, bam. And then and then to go back to his blind how blind he was, he threw Hawk in for a clothesline, bro, and he hit Hawk right in the forehead and Hawk was out cold. Oh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I grabbed Hawk by the feet and I pulled him out of the ring. I woke him up and we went back to the locker room. He goes, holy shit, he hit me hard. You know? <laughs> How and, was you know, that? Hawk was, a, Hawk was like one of those tough guys that could yeah. take a punch. But Stan, you know, Stan was like 300 pounds, man. He hit him right in the freaking forehead, you know? Yeah, he yeah. was blind. Stan couldn't see. He and Jim Duggan are probably two of the most blind guys ever was in the ring with. Hey, hey, Joe, you, you're talking about Hawk being a tough guy, but, like, pretty much everyone from, from freaking Minneapolis and your crew was. like, Because, uh, I mean, when I first moved to Minneapolis from Tampa and, you know, I got hooked up with Eddie, Eddie Sharkey, we were just talking about, and uh, and that, you know, I heard the legendary stories of this. Uh, it was in Minneapolis. It was a bar called Grandma B's. And it was it was, it was was Joe, Mike, Hawk, uh God, Rick it's Rick Rude. I mean, you name it. Who all was there? Well, Joe? you had you had you, know, you had Nord there. You had uh, remember guy Al Blake. Al Blake, yep. Vladimir Pietrov worked there. You know, Tom Tom Cassett once in a while too. Tom Cassett. You remember T T Joe Khan? Yeah, T Joe too. Yeah. T Joe come out of there too, man. Yeah. Wow. And so I mean, I so I would hear all these legendary stories of just the ass weapons that would be handed out if you screwed up in grandma bees it wasn't norton well, we would literally you know guys would try to come in with their colors on a lot of time a lot of bikers you know yeah we tell them listen man you, you can't go over your colors and even those are trying to take off their leather jackets and their vests and you have you know biker will fight you to the death over that less you know best, yeah. you know so we say listen man you can either take it off right now or we're going to go have a discussion in the boss's office and, <laughs> and you know sometimes we'd have literally at the tank i got by, by by his ankles and shake them up and down so everything would drop out of his freaking pockets, you know, yeah. a gun would drop out or a knife would pop out or, you know, I remember Tony Benacasa, the guy that owned the place. Oh, man, Tony, yeah. One, 
Yeah, one time a guy mouthed off to him and he freaking took out his freaking, I think he had a, a nine millimeter and freaking shot it right next to the guy's head. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's the kind yeah. of stories you heard about back then, yeah? <clears throat> wow, yeah, man. Yeah, man, listen, it was at Air City Bar, what are you going to do, right? It was right on with the yeah it was a matter of fact it wasn't far down the road from the from the hell's angels clubhouse so no wonder they came yeah. in there a lot yeah 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 you know, it's funny you, you remember pat matters yeah yeah pat matters was president of the hell's uh, angels. minneapolis chapter yeah the hell's angels, and uh, he and i laughed about that a bunch of times we didn't laugh about it at first but he <laughs> he and i became good buddies afterwards and you know and we'd love you I was a man. Remember a bunch of guys used to come down to the bar there and go, "Yeah, I know, man. It was kind of a crazy time." Yeah, and they and and they had this gym, uh, and it was called Northside Gym, and 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 it was the Angels. And didn't Norton own that at one time? Before yeah, Pete Moen, you know who owned it at first was Pete Moen. Yeah, Pete Moen. When I, when and then he owned and it yeah. like at the end when it was Minnesota Muscle. Yeah, yeah. Pete Moen owned it, and you know Pete Moen was that you know trained for. He was a Mister Universe competitor yep. and all that stuff, and then. Then Scott Norton bought it after them because Scott Norton didn't grow up. He and Hawk didn't grow up far from that neighborhood. Yeah, Henry so High Scott School Norton guys. Scott Norton bought it. And yep. then, uh, yeah, man, it was, it was kind of crazy. Wow. And, uh, and geez, do you guys want to get in on this? Uh, I, I heard you tell a story on an interview prior about f getting kicked out of school because you flipped over someone's car. <laughs> and that's yeah, all was, you uh, said. I, I would was, like to hear I was this story. In high school and, uh, you know, just like, you know, Back then, like Sean was talking about, Robbinsdale had a parking lot with everybody. For certain reason, McDonald's was the hangout yep. after after a football game or something, right? And uh, so there's one McDonald's in Minnesota, right by my high school, was there. And, and uh, the bank, the manager, I said, he kept coming out and kicking us out of the parking lot. And we kept saying, "Well, what are you kicking us out for, man? We're buying freaking fifteen thousand hamburgers from you and giving you business." <laughs> and he, you know, wanted to kick us out for loitering. He took us out tipped us off so much I literally picked up we tipped his car over on the side he had a Volkswagen nice. we tipped it on the side and he got real hot <laughs> at me and it wasn't so much getting in trouble from that from him it was when my mother came down to get me out of jail that I, there was a problem nice. <laughs> my mom was freaking hot hey, is that the McDonald's is that the same place where, where Kurt took the famous cheap shot on, on Mike through the through the oh, car no, window that was, that was a different McDonald's Mike, see, I, I went to Irondale those guys went to Robinsdale right. and Irondale was about you know Irondale was off of uh, Silver Lake Road in New Brighton so yeah. you know it was about 10 miles away but you know yeah the McDonald's was another shot when uh yeah, Robinsdale had just got down a football game, and, and I think Hawk got a couple of buys. guys from Henry High yeah. School came down to go grab some burgers. And well, the worst thing you could do is have guys from a rival high school come down when there's 500 Robinsdale people in the parking lot. Yeah, and that's when uh, yeah, Hawk and he went along and said, "Hey, Trent, what are you doing in our parking lot? This is our night." And Mike went and says them, and, and and you know Kurt cheap shotted them through the window. Yeah, but don't think Kurt did remind that of Hawk throughout the years. Oh we yeah, WWF at the time, all the time. And he, <laughs> oh, he did. Bro. I remember one time Hawk freaked out, and there we were sitting by the pool. You know, just we had a day off in one town out in L.A. or somewhere, and Hawk jumps up and here. That's it, you stupid son of a bitch! I'm gonna kill you right now for real. You know, and, and he says, "Hold on, hold on, hold on." I'm only kidding, you know. Then they would pull out another joint and they'd be happy. Hey, <laughs> right? There you go. Hey, hey, Joe, you guys were like the like one of the only guys that, in your era that could just go anywhere you wanted to, you know? And yeah, and, you know, I mean, we had we had the we had the luxury at the time of having a guy like Ellering too, yeah. you know, 
people said, listen, man, you guys have the power right now. You're, you know, we're on, you know, you had WWF at the time that was on USA Network and we were on TBS, like you said. And then, you know, when we did the thing with the AWA, it was all on ESPN. So we were one of the few entities that got to go on, you know, ESPN TV and then TBS TV and, you know, get to go all over the place. And then Ellering said, listen, I'm getting calls from promoters around the country. How about we go in there and start doing shots? And we said, yeah, man, whatever you think. I mean, you know, Hawk and I were smart because we trusted Paul. He had more experience than we did. And he said, let's just do what we can do. And then we start getting that little bit of that, I don't want to say power, but it was clout that we yes. go into an area that we go into Don Owens in Portland and do an angle with Billy Jack and Sergeant Slaughter. And boom, next thing you know, we're in a sellout in Portland. That's right. And Portland never sold out. Never. Know? Or we go down to Puerto Rico for Carlos Colon or, you know, the Rougeau's up in Montreal, or we would go, you know, to, to, uh, Tully Blanchard's dad, Joe Blanchard down in San Antonio. And he had that and do the same thing. And, and then Florida, like you talked about before. And it got to be pretty cool. Cause we never really burnt ourselves out in one area, you know. Exactly. We, even though we, we even though we were would be working for Oli down in Atlanta, or we would be working for Vern in EWA, we would say, "Hey, okay, listen, Vern, here on this date here, we're going to Japan," you know, and we would be gone for two or three weeks or a month, and then go do that, or we'd come back and say, "Listen, you know, we can't work here for these days because we're working for the NWA for Crockett," you know yeah. what I mean? And it, it worked out good for us. That was actually the best part of the business for us because. You never got bored. You never got burnt out. You get to go in other territories. You get to help out the business because you know the way it is, man. Yeah. Whether your first match or your last match, if you could put butts in seats to help everybody make money, that was the yeah. end of the game. Which was your favorite territory to work at? You know, I think it has to be in the States here. It would have to be the NWA days, you know. I mean, back in the late 80s when, you know, we would be in the same city to say Philadelphia as WWF would be in and WWF would be selling out at the, you know, at the Philadelphia spectrum. We would be selling out at the civic center, one hell yep. 24, one hell 22,000 people the wow. same night. Wow. And that was fun time in the business when we go to those major cities mm -hmm. like that, you know, but I think the NWA for me, the NWA or Japan for us, because it it, it, it's about, this business is about getting treated with respect. And we went over to Japan, there was never any headaches. It was always a respectful tour. It was always fun. And, you know, and there was never no hang-ups or no attitudes. Business was business. Yeah. And, you know, if a guy needed to go over, you got him over. If a guy needed to get beat, he got beat. It just was what it was. It wasn't – the Eagles weren't – like today's business was, you know, someone goes through camp and they think they deserve to be champ the next day. Yeah. You know? And that's the, that. Unfortunately, that's the way the business groomed guys today. But yeah, I think the NWA days, man. You because know, we had great teams to fight too. You know, we had the Koloffs, we had Ben Express, we had the Four Horsemen. And we had great guys. Rude, with us that weren't selfish at all, so it helped. Rick Rude and Manny Fernandez. You guys killed it with those guys. I loved those matches. Oh yeah, man. And, and just think, that wasn't. They weren't even a top team, <clears> but <throat> both of them were great workers yeah. that knew how to help Hawk and I. Because you know, we were so green. I mean, Rick Rude was a talent above his years. You know what I mean? Wow. I mean, he if, got... if, Rick, if, if Rick didn't, you know, unfortunately, OD, he would have been one of the top guys for a long time. You know, he single-handedly pretty much made the ultimate warrior. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and he never got the credit for it. Yeah. Even when he went to WCW with Sting, he helped make Sting, you know, because, you know, people don't realize how close Sting came to not even making it in this business. You really? know, I don't know if you told you, Deshaun, you know, Jim Crockett came up to us. Well, back when 
back when the NWA and Crocker Promotions bought out the UWF, Bill Watts. Right? I remember, yeah. Yeah, he came to, Bill, Jim Crocker came to me and said, listen, man, there's this kid down there named Sting. He's got a painted face and kind of looks like you guys a little bit. And he goes, but if you don't want him to come in here, we won't bring him in. He literally asked me that. Wow. And I said, no, man. I said, why don't you bring him in? We'll put him with us in six mans. We'll call him our brothers in paint for a little while. And then whatever Dusty has planned for him, we'll do. So what was your first impression of him once you started working with him? Who's that? Um, with Sting. Did you ever think that he would ever become what he did? Well, I mean, you know, I, I knew he had talent. I think what helped Sting was when he got in the singles matches against Flair. Flair taught him a yeah. lot. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes, and, you know, Sean will tell you in this business, some guy, sometimes I think guys believe their gimmick a little bit. And that's, mm-hmm. I think Sting got kind of caught up in that, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You know, when this business is, is of entertainment and kind of I don't know. I think sometimes he thought he was like the Hulk Hogan of WCW. You gotcha. know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes you get like that and sometimes you don't. And, and Sean will tell you, I mean, there's there's over guys in our business and top guys. And then there's very few guys are in that, you know, I want to say legendary icon stage. You know what I mean? And I, I, I'm not. Yeah, but you're, I think you're talking about a guy like The Rock, like Austin, like Hogan, like that, like. Is that what yeah, you're talking yeah. about? I mean, yeah, like, like there's there's a there's a Bruno Sammartino, yeah. there's a, a The Rock, there's Hogan, there's like um, Andre, and <laughs> and for tag teams, people put Hawk and I in that category. Absolutely, you know I mean? there's no be- there's no bigger. Yeah, sorry, but there is. Yeah, yeah, and, and then then you have the other guys underneath, like a like a Triple H and a and a, and a Sting and and those other guys. That's no insult to anybody, but that's just the levels we have in our business. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I guess even with Triple H, you may even with his mind and everything, because he's got a great mind for the business. You, you can even almost put him in that top category because of what he's done for wrestling. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's an argument you know, to he, be made he, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, he he's brought a, he brought an XT out of the toilet. Make him yep. top, he's even more popular at WWE. You know, I so, think it's I mean, a so he deserves that credit. Joe, you know? I've always liked. Uh, I've always liked Paul. Paul's a great guy. You know, I've always got along great with him. Hey, but we, but you, there's very few guys like that, and I think sometimes you know guys have a hard time uh, appreciating or staying in their lane. I call it, or what level they are in this business, yeah. and they sometimes think they're bigger than anybody else. And evidently, down the line somewhere, someone will always put you in your place. I Man, it always happens. I'd, I'd no doubt, right? So, like, and and it and it might be easier to think you're more a part of making the magic happen when you're in there working with Flair every night. Exactly. You know, Flair, Flair could have. We always kid around. Flair could have a great match with a freaking chair. Yeah. Yeah. You just you know mentioned. I mean? You just mentioned NXT, and uh, you know, let's make the correlation with Crockett Promotions. You know, you and Hawk were victorious in the first three ever War Games matches. Take us back to before the first War Games ever. Was there a lot of prep involved, or because it was you and the Horsemen, you guys were all so great, you just kind of, what was the prep like for that? Were you, were you, were you nervous at well, all going into that? To be honest with you, we didn't really even know what it was going to be like. We never even seen the cage over the two rings until we got there that night. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and that's, the way, that's the way wrestling was back then. You know, it's, nowadays, a guy will go to a simple TV taping, and they're practicing and rehearsing their matches from, from 12 o'clock in the afternoon until they got to go out there that night. Yeah. We, 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 shit, we never even talked about the match. Wow. Well, I can we, see, we yeah, I can see how you could, I could see how you could just go in there and just do, you know, 
you know, you well, you have a basic idea, of, but and back then, like you could just go out there and just walk and talk. Well, yeah, but but you know, we we what it was back then is that you, and we learned right away from working. You, you, know, you got to understand, you know, Hawk and I got thrust right into it from day one. We yeah. walked into Georgia Championship Wrestling, and they gave us the belts first day. So we were thrust into working with main eventers from the very get go. And we learned that every audience has got a different temperature to it. And what I mean by that is every audience acts different to different things. Yep. So you can't treat them all the same. And I think the business has gotten caught up today. You'll treat them the same and they're not. You just can't put the name of the marquee or the name of the company on the whole door and expect it to sell out. Yep. You've got to give the people a good show too. And, and so we would go out there and feel it. Like, <clears throat> I mean, for instance, like, okay, I'll give you a little ish, interesting thing. Like, yeah, we had our, spots we would do with the poor horseman that we knew we could do inside the cage when you had to limit it because i mean hell i could put my arm straight up and hit the top of the cage yeah that's how low it was you know and and so but but when you get in there and you see two rings side by side and there's about a three and a half foot gap in between the two rings and i decided last minute on the fly i, I threw Aaron anderson across the ropes on both rings i said hey man i'm gonna hit you like with a flying tackle he said what oh yeah and, you know yeah. Who, who's going to figure? Who's going to figure that? You know, I mean, I was three fifteen at the time. Wait, but I'm going to be able to jump over from one ring to the other ring in about a six foot span in the air and land and not even hit the ropes or anything. I, I mean, I was amazed I could do it. But your adrenaline was yeah. so pumped up yeah. because it was such a cool event that you know you got twenty freaking forty thousand people chanting. You know, it was easy to get your adrenaline going and do, but I mean, I never practiced that move. I mean, hell man, I never even thought I could even do it. I didn't even think I was going to make it, but I think that part of myself scaring myself gave me that extra energy to go do it. you try it anyway, you know? Can you imagine like being out there in the middle of it and doing it and then your toe gets caught on the top rope and boom, he's taking those. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> You've all made mistakes. I remember one time, we were doing, getting ready to do a TV match in North Carolina. You should Google this sometime, Sean. You'll love it. You know, mm -hmm. so Hawk and I decide with our spike shoulder pads that we're both going to jump over the top rope at the same time. Well, Hawk goes before I'm ready. He goes over the top rope. <laughs> By the time I slung, slingshot myself over the top rope, the rebound of the rope came and hit me, and I did a freaking somersault over the top rope, landed on my spikes on the back in the middle of the ring, <laughs> put the sit up, and... My bottom spikes hit the bottom rope, and I go back down again. I was so pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> Where By the time the match started, I felt so sorry for the poor job oh. guys in the ring. Oh, uh, because you take it out on them, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They paid the bad price of it, yeah. Talking about your spikes, what was it like to travel with those things? Because you always hear you're never allowed to check your gear. So how is it like flying well, with those? They're, they're really kind of a – I tell everybody every time I take them to an event, it's, it's kind of like the worst and best thing. Best thing is, fans love it. They love to put them on when I do appearances. I let them put them on now and let them feel how heavy they are and all that stuff. Bad thing is, it's the biggest rib on myself mm -hmm. because I have to unscrew all the spikes off, put them in my bag, pack them all up, travel with them again. There's no way I can go and have no bag to check on an airplane. Even if I'm just going for the weekend, I got to take the big-ass suitcase. And sometimes they get lost on flights and my pain will be in the bag and it's just it could be the biggest headache. But then again, if it makes it, it's the greatest thing for the fan because they love those things. I remember when you first broke those out. It was like 85, I think. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, you know, we, you know, you know, Sean, we got that company, Zubaz, that clothing company. It's in all the college football and NFL stuff. Bob Truax, and, wasn't his name? Yeah, Bob Truax and Dan Stock, my That's two right. partners. And we were doing a deal with Dan Marino and Jim Kelly. 
and we took po- pictures with Dan Marino because Dan Marino would wear tux and he would wear the Miami Dolphins Zubas, right? And the picture, and Hawk and I had white pads to match his pants and all this other kind of stuff. And, and so in doing that, I met a guy named Bobby Monica and Bobby Monica's brother, Kenny, ran Rydell Protective Power Equipment. And I said, man, I got this idea. I said, and I said, and I, so I called Teddy up. I said, can you send me some shoulder pads? And he sent me like eight pairs of shoulder pads. And I had a buddy that worked at Honeywell. I said, can you make different size spikes? And I didn't even tell Hawk I made these things. <clears throat> I had a guy make me spikes. I sat in my garage and I drilled them all out myself. Whoa. And then I, brung, I showed up, I said, Hawk, I got some new gear for us to wear. And I showed up the Hawk when, we show, when I showed up uh, on the road one day. Nice. Well, I just remember the, actually, yeah, yeah, the, react, the reaction we got, man, the people loved them. So. Hell yeah! And then, and then on all the uh, all the Zubas, there was like a tag, and it had the Zubas logo and a picture of Joe and Mike with the with the Zubas pants and the, and the, and the shoulder pads on. Wow. And it was yeah, you guys. Yeah. Hey, that, was, that was our logo, right? Dare to be different. Yeah, and 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 rocking Zubas with snakeskin boots, man. Hey, hey, I've, I've <laughs> pulled it off. <laughs> yeah, bro. Well, you know, Hawk and I, and one thing we were we were good at in our business, man, and it just came, you know, some things you could teach, some things kept natural, is, was in promotional stuff. Yeah. And we knew right away we would bring, you know, Sean, boxes of Zubas in the locker room and just give them to the guys to wear. Yeah. And then, and then when we were on TBS Studios, whenever we would do a rundown, or do a promos, Hawk and I would have Zubas on. So if we were running down to attack somebody, we were heels or save somebody, we were babyface, so we had Zubas on. Yep. Wow. Yeah, and I you mean... Know, and, we, and, we, and we would incorporate in our promos. You know, hey, that's right, we're just like Zubas. We dare to be different. It's working for us. You know, and, you know, and that kind of crap just... The people just started to like it and laugh at it. I mean, there's yeah. two big muscle-headed buffoons with <laughs> mohawks that were opposites that, you know... Hawk used to say, I remember, never forget Hawk tell, asking Bill Watts, he goes, what if we get two Hawks, the animal gets a normal Mohawk, and I get the double one, so when we bend over, it looks like our heads can plug into each other. And Is I that said, what, what that was? I said, you want a Mohawk? Are you kidding me? You know, I mean, at the time, before I cut my hair, my hair was as long as your shot. I had fucking really long hair and shit, and then yeah. Hawk makes that comment, and if you know, I'm shaving my head. Well, hey, do you remember, like, do you remember a few months ago, I found that match with you from Mid-Atlantic Wrestling when you were, before you were the Road Warriors, with you, oh, and, you yeah. and Jack Briscoe? Like, yeah, you didn't have the, you know, the the hair like that, but you still, but, I mean, obviously I could tell it was you, but yeah, man, yeah. like, I re- yeah, I look like one of the village people, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I thought people were thought I was going to break down YMCA. I'll never forget the first time I got in the match. You know, Rick Rude and I went to North Carolina. You know, first all right. brothers in the WCW or George Championship. And then there was that big buyout going on with Jim Barnett and, and you know, and the Briscoes against Ole. So he right. said, listen, man, I don't want you around any of this political nonsense. I'm going to send you to North Carolina. So he sent Rude and I to North Carolina and I got, I had to wrestle Rick Rude, my first TV match. And first thing to say to us, you guys are going to be doing a 20 minute Broadway. Oh my God. And Rude and, Rude and I looked at each other and we said, what's a Broadway? You know what that is, right? <laughs> that, 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 that Sharky not telling us, you know, what's a Broadway, you know, and that mean, you know, 20 minutes straight through. And, and I remember they announced me when I had that, just those biker shorts there. He goes, here he is in this corner from 
from Ireland, Joe Lauren. Yes, Joe, Lauren, Joe Lauren, Ireland. Yeah. Bro, wait, where do you get? And, and Rude just broke out laughing in the middle of the ring, and you know, and Tommy Young's yelling, at him, "Don't laugh! You can't laugh at that!" Yeah, man, it was just hey, funny how you go back and you think about it now, man. The learning experiences are freaking crazy. It's 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 you can go back and and watch how like because you mentioned okay, we were really green, and, and you know we. When you're trained by Eddie, you learn a lot, but it's not like the inside the ring stuff. So you guys got really good really quick, man. Like, I noticed, like, how, like, and I imagine that just comes with working with so many great guys. Oh, yeah, man. Listen, I, Hawk and I always believe you're only in the good as you are as the guy you're in the ring with, mm-hmm. you know? And if he's great, eventually you keep wrestling with him, you're going to be great. And I mean, think about it, Sean. When I, you know, when I first got in, I had, Tommy Rich, Mr. Wrestling Number Two, yep. Dusty Rhodes, Stan Hansen, you know, guys like that, Jack and Jerry Briscoe. You, you can't help not to learn from them guys, mm-hmm. you know. And you know, Brad Armstrong, Tim Horner, guys yep. that could, you know, Armstrong, one of the great wrestling families in our business, you know, learning from those guys, you know, and, and it just it just helped us out a lot and helped us learn quicker. Yeah, of course, you don't really get the psychology of the business down, and you know, it takes a few years to do that. But as far as being there for every move and everything, Hawk and I had the ability to be right there when we need to do the high spots the proper way. Yeah. And I think that helped us. And then when they start letting us talk, our delivery of the promos were almost so much a shoot and from the heart that people started saying, yeah, yeah, I feel that way a lot of times. Yeah, you know, and they just related to us because we never talked above the people's heads. Yeah, yeah. And- you know, I think that's important. Go ahead. What was your experience like at All In this year? Because not only did you appear, you really kicked things off, and the entire arena went nuts when you showed up. Well, I tell you, you know, you 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 wonder in our business. I think we all wonder sometimes. Hey, you know, do you still got it? <laughs> you know what I mean? No, you know, because listen, the last time I was on TV was I did Raw One Thousand show in 2012. I mean, I've not even yeah. been on TV since. You know, and you think it's six years later. Are people going to forget how many of those fans are not even watching anymore, you know, and, and all this other stuff. But, man, as soon as he said, what a rush that motorcycle hit, man. And Sean, I'll tell you, it, it was freaking, you know. Oh, yeah, the place 12, went apeshit. Yeah. Yeah. It was chant. Especially when I got up on stage, man, all the yellow D chants starting out, you know. And half those fans probably right there don't even, weren't even around when Hawk and I were on top going full board you know so it was really cool to see and what a better you can't find any better place in chicago but what i love about the all-in show man is that those guys did it right they combined guys that were in the legend status you know like sean was there and a bunch of other guys were there you know dallas page and a bunch of other great guys from our era and then some of the new guys and they intertwined both the eras you know mm-hmm. and yep. that is so par- important in our business you too many times I think the new companies get caught up with just wanting to put all the new guys. Yeah. I mean I mean I, mean, I hate to say it, but why do you think WWE is doing their thing you're doing in Australia? Pulling out all the stops. They got freaking Taker and Austin and Sean. Yeah. Because they definitely want that baby to be an all out bust ass show. They're not bringing those guys out out of retirement or bringing them out because they don't want to. They're yeah. doing it because they, they have a have to moment, you know? Because what's new is not as impressive as what was hot during the 80s and 90s. I'm not saying that as an insult. I'm just saying, and Sean will tell you, guys from our era, a lot of us 
the way we were on TV wasn't necessarily the way we were in real life because but we can dig into that alter ego yes. and make it believable. Yes, right? it was something that was inside of us that was coming from an authentic place regardless. It, yes. Exactly. Exactly, you know like most of my stuff that I dug down deep, you know, a lot of people don't know, man, man, I grew up, I was born, like, with the first Rocky movie. Like, I lived in the same neighborhood as underneath those railroad tracks and in the inner city. Yeah. So, and I was lived there until I was 13. I could dig down deep a lot of my real-life experiences, you know what I mean, and bring them out. And, and you know, and, and so it, it made it easy to do my gimmick once I got older. And, of course, you know, all the years of bouncing and everything else didn't hurt either, you know. Yeah. But... I think you're right, Sean. Everybody's got that thing deep down into to help the show sell out. And we were, you know, and, and that's an art that I don't know. I think maybe because there's so many writers today, the guys can't, you don't have the ability to deep down in your own stuff. You're, yeah. you're having to follow a script, right? Yep. And so sometimes the script's not written for your personality. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think you find that a lot with Roman Reigns. You know, some of the stuff he's told what to say is not really what a Samoan would say. If you know, right? You know, if you know this, if you know Samoans, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. No, Samoans got their own, their own way to go, their own language. I mean, man, if he would fly out the handle and start swearing in Samoan, he got pissed off sometimes. I right. think that would help. I'm just saying, you know, what comes natural, you know, don't second guess it, just go with it, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and I think back in our era, that's what we were allowed to do. We, we knew our topics we had to hit, and everything else that was in the interview, we filled it in between by ourselves. Nobody yeah. had to tell us what to do. So that that part, I think, is what I think our business, hopefully it needs to get back to, because, man, I think that entertains the people a lot more, man. It keeps For sure. people all interested. Well, well, like the stuff that's going on outside WWE, guys are being able to uh, – to cultivate their personas and build that stuff up on their own and and do it kind of like they did back and you know and you know several years ago and and I think that um, I think that that how they're bringing guys up in NXT now is more like you know uh, conducive to them finding themselves mm -hmm. on their own a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying before how how uh, Paul needs a pat on the back there with NXT. <clears throat> that's more like an old school wrestling show. Yep. And it's an hour, right? You know I mean? It's like not too and, much. And, and that's why the people are relating to it. They love that show more. I'm not, I'm not dissing WWE. I'm just saying that's, yeah. that's like, you know, the, the, the product people love that kind of like yeah. fight club type atmosphere. And, you know, the guys really shooting from the hip and, and, and backing up what they say type of yeah. deal. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's what, the fans, because everyday life is a like that, you know, is like that. You know, you say something, you got to back it up. You yeah. got to stick to your gun, stick to your word, and that's just the way it's supposed to be, you know. Yeah. And uh, it, listen, the wrestling business is always going to evolve. I mean, I can't imagine how it would have been if Hawk and I had the pro, the had the avenues now to make money outside the ring as these guys yeah. got today. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, I mean, because I'd, be I'd be on the beach on my own island. Yeah. Well, because these opportunities are there for for everyone now. You guys had to create your own opportunities outside the industry. Well, not only that, Sean, we weren't allowed to do things. I mean, you know, I remember I went down on audition for Bloodsport Two and Rocky Four and stuff, but oh. I didn't. I I was a main event down for Georgia Championship <laughs> and, the, and the old WCW at the time. I I couldn't. The business couldn't afford, or that company couldn't afford yeah. to let me take time off to do a movie. Mm -hmm. back then you know so we had to tell them no no thanks and no thanks i can't do it man it's going to take too much time i can't take six months off to do that for you looking now looking i'm sorry go ahead finish finish your thought i'm sorry so now guys have the opportunity they could just throw somebody into that spot 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I was just going to say. Hopefully it'll work and, and twist it around and do that. But back then you couldn't do it because there was only, only so many top, top guys yeah. to do that with in the company, you know? Yeah. Do you like? Do you wish you would have actually um, taken a little time off and done that in, in retrospect? In hindsight, yes. Mm. Because at the time I was young, we were just getting a big push, and I remember sitting there with Stallone saying, "Hey, can I have a part for my manager and my partner? You know, can they yeah. do something in it too? Because we're going to miss so much." And I think that kind of probably insulted them and cut my own throat a little bit, you know. Ah, uh, well. <clears throat> because, I mean, you know, it, it, so listen, man, you learn by experience in life. That's just. You were just trying to hook up the like hook up your boys. That's no way, man. That's a well, yeah, man. I was just honorable thing to, be a to true do. Partner to my guy, you yeah. know what I mean. I was trying to be a good, good teammate, you know. But uh, you know, it, it ended up probably cutting my own throat. But listen, you know, it's not like we didn't have more success in the wrestling business, you know, so it was okay. So speaking of wrestling then and wrestling now, I want to know, why do you think wrestling stepped away from, quote-unquote, having real tag teams versus two singles guys and throwing them together as they are mostly well, nowadays? You know, WWE and Charlotte was really never a tag team company, right. ever. I mean, they never were. They kind of were in the 70s a little bit, then they got away from it from like the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Then they start putting the Hard Foundation together and with DX and then with, you know, with the British Bulldogs. And, you know, they had a little bit of run and then it went and died down again. And then when we came in there again, they started reviving tag teams a little bit more. It, it's always been more of a singles company, yeah. to be honest with you. Yep. He, he, it's just the way Vince likes to have it. And he's made most of his money in his career. And you can't diss a guy for that. You know, it's worked for Vince. Where other companies like NWA always was a big tag team company you know what i mean i mean i think hawk and i were one of the few probably maybe the only one that was able to wrestle main events and in all the companies being a tag team because no other tag teams did that really major you know we were the only ones that you know when hogan couldn't make it they threw us in the main event against you know someone else to your heart foundation or something to be the main event for that show and to, to rely on it to be able to sell out that way and of course the nwa we were always last match you know yeah because but, yeah, we, we and they and they always want to leave the people really happy too. At that, and different you know different companies look at the business different ways, you know. And I think you know, listen, you got to give it your hats off to him. And Hulk Hogan was, I'll, I'll forever consider him to be the man. I yeah. mean, he put our business on the map, you know. And and uh, you know, and, and when people refer to Hulk and I as the Hogan of tankies, man, to me that's one of my biggest wow. compliments someone could give me because, I mean, yeah. Hogan was tremendous on making changing this business to where it is today yeah for sure you guys are are, are that absolutely I I, I, I I there's no credible argument against that and and uh and not just like drawing power wise like you guys were great in the ring joe you know uh you weren't like you know the the rockers or the i mean obviously everyone knows your style in there and 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 i thought you guys had amazing chemistry with guys like different you know, different types of teams. Well, we, uh, and that, again, it's a testament to Ellering, you know, and, and working with their top guys. I guess we knew, you know, we knew what our lane was. Yeah. I always tell this to people when I'm trying to like, do seminars, like stay in your lane of gimmick. And we could stay in our lane of our gimmick, whether we were babyface, heel, no matter what we were, and we learned how to do that right away. And, as long as the guys we're in the ring with were willing to work with us that way, we all would have a good match. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny, Sean. You know, people always gave Hawkeye shit over the years. Or, oh, the Road Warriors won't sell a few things. 
go look at some tapes. Yeah, that's bullshit. Go, uh, go, go at, at, ask Billy Gunn and Brian James. You sold for me. To help them get over <laughs> you sold for me, together. Joe. <laughs> I just watched RV. No, no, that's what I'm saying. We would sell. We, yeah. we would sell for guys, especially if you're good guys and you are friends, and we would do proper business. I mean, I don't think we want a match in the first, you know, because you know Hawk was getting in all his trouble, <laughs> trouble all the time in <laughs> WWE. He, get, he got suspended about four times in one year. Yeah, you know, and, I, and, and so, but I don't think we want a match for a year. But it never hurt us because we would work with the guys, and a lot of yeah. the guys were friends. You know. I mean, we knew how to make the Godwins be the Godwins. We knew how to make DX be DX. We knew how to, you know, and and help guys out too, because you know we 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 weren't going to get any more over than we already were, so it didn't hurt us. I mean, yeah. if you watch us against Earthquake and Typhoon, there's match, plenty of matches we don't do an offensive move for 15 minutes, <laughs> right. and then the, the, when we did do it, it meant something, you know. So I think we had the ability to learn that quick. And, and learn that by working with great guys mm. who taught us that kind of mentality. Yeah. So that I think is one of the biggest false statements people could make in the wrestling business. Oh, the road warriors will sell you. Well, yeah. If you continue watching matches that were on WTPS, it looked like that because we were killing everybody. If you can't, if you can't, if you can't, if 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 you have any kind of talent at all, and you can't as a heel have a um, uh, as a heel tag team have a a, a great match. With the road warriors, who people care about so much, when 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 people care about you, like on top of you guys were excellent in the ring, like just the fact that people were so into you, like when I worked with you guys, all I thought about was I want to do classic road warrior spots from back when Nate, like just the early days of run and do everyone, that and then you, then we could figure out how you guys shut yourself down, you know, like. So, yeah, like, so yeah, we well, don't have well, to stop what you. What made it good? What made it good for that, Sean, is that when you, when you, when you're in the match with great heels, it's like <clears throat> I use the old analogy as like chopping down the big old redwood tree. Yeah. Once that weakness or that Achilles heels is found by the heels, you guys were on it like stink on shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you guys were on it so hard and fast that it was believable when you're getting the heat. I mean, you guys had that ability. The Four Horsemen had that ability. The Men Express had that ability. And then we would sell it the proper way. And then by the time it was ready for the comeback, the people were there yeah. and ready to see it. You yeah. know, and that's one of the things we were, we were, we were able to do, man. But you know, like I said, man, you're only as good as the guys you're in the ring with. And when they do how to get the heat on you, yeah. but, and, and you and do how to do stuff to make us be us, the matches were a piece of cake, yeah. really. And, you know, I think the biggest misnomer, too, is everybody thought people were really getting hurt. Yeah. Hawkeye very rarely hurt anybody. Wow. Yeah, but when I was when I used to watch you guys on TBS, I thought, oh, my God, they're killing those guys. <laughs> well, we wouldn't really hit those guys with clotheslines. Don't get me wrong. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned. Know, Ollie, Ollie Anderson would tell the job guys on TV. I remember he goes, hey, listen, I'm going to pay you guys a little bit of extra because these two guys mm-hmm. are going to come in there and really kick your ass. Yeah. And we looked at Hawk and I looked at each other and said, isn't this entertainment? I thought this was kind of fake, you know? Yeah. And, you know, Ollie would tell us, be aggressive. And I said, okay, and you want to tell us twice to do that, you know? And you tell us and we would do it. And and then the guy sold for us. Yeah. I told him, I would tell the guy before the match, I said, listen, man, I'm going to swing that clothesline. You better duck because if it catches you under the chin, I can't help what's no going to happen to you. You guys, you, were, you guys were multidimensional, though, not just the big, like, 
where you had to run through guys. You guys were great at having matches with other big powerhouse teams. Like, you know, uh, or for instance, you guys had a great match, and I think it was a Clash of the Champions from St. Petersburg, Florida, the Bayfront Center, you versus Sting and Lex. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What a great match. You guys worked that brilliantly. Brilliantly. You know, I I remember times when the first time I hit Undertaker with a dropkick. Wow. Yeah. People went freaking crazy. I mean, they were saying, wow, man, these guys could do dropkicks or when – you know the fly the the small SWAT team would go to give us that give me that back. double ass bump, but I would yeah, and I do that backflip behind and land on my feet and then hit with a double clothesline. Yep, just certain certain spots that really big guys never did at that time. Yeah, you know, and we uh, I'd say, well, man, I used to dive in high school and stuff, or in college, or in uh, well, junior high and high school. Maybe you know I could do the flip around, land on my feet, and hit two double clothesline, and they would look at me like I was crazy. But then I would do it, and then it would work. And I said, "Damn, you know." And I, mean, I we didn't really do a lot of high flying shit. Don't get me wrong, you know. I'm not going to do a, a cross body off somebody the stuff or that made like sense. That, but stuff that made sense. Yeah, you know? just, yeah. Big, just big guy stuff. I figured, well, man, maybe people might be impressed if a 320 pound guy can hit a guy with a drop kick, and not only that, hit him in the in the, in the chops with it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And to hit to hit a guy, I mean. Believe me, you're dropkick an Undertaker. You're you're going straight up in the air because he's six nine. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, so you, you you got to. It's going to hurt me more when I land, and it's going to hurt Undertaker taking it. You know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but and when Hawk and I started doing some of that stuff, of course, every time we would try and move like that, even our finish to Doomsday, we tried it over in Japan first, and said, "Well, the Japanese boys live it. The three live through it. The American boys live through it. No problem." All right. Yeah. Well, speaking of your time in Japan, what are your thoughts on the Japanese influence in wrestling today? Well, bro, let me tell you, that Japanese influence has always been there. The only thing that's different now is today is mm-hmm. there's a different TV outlets for them to get yeah. over here. There you go. You know, with the, with the internet and YouTube and everything else, it started slowly creeping over, creeping over. Now with Fight TV here on the internet, right, everybody gets to be on TV. I mean, it just goes to show you when you – when you sell out a place like Madison Square Garden in like 15 minutes yeah. for New Japan, it go and, and you know and New Japan always had a great reputation from the wrestling fans who read magazines of being the top company to go over with them in all Japan, right? Yeah, I mean those are always the two companies that everybody wanted to go over and work for. You know, fortunately for me, I got to work for about four different companies over, but most of them was with New Japan and All Japan. You know, so I mean. How were those shows? I, I was gonna add, sorry. How were those those ten, those shows working for Tenru? Oh, for SWS. Yeah, SWS, and yeah. then it was called War. Yeah, man. Yeah, ten, listen. Tenru is one of the all time top guys in wrestling. Yeah, you know? and I think Hawk and I's last big match there together, we wrestled Tenru and Hogan in the Tokyo Dome. Tokyo Dome, yeah. Thousand people and sold out. Yeah, you know, and. And, uh, and it was a great match because you had four of the most popular guys ever in Japan all wrestling each other at the same time, you know? Yeah. And uh, it was really a kind of cool thing. It was stored for me. But I, I, I was a mark for that, that match, you know? I mean, that was a market out for us. Well, I was marking out for Here I am in Japan against Tenru, one of the top sumo wrestlers and, and pro wrestlers in the country. And I'm, I'm in with the top American single guy ever in the business, in the ring. You yeah. know what I mean? And, the only thing I regret with the wrestling business is Hawk and I would have loved, and we threw this idea around the WWF at the time, why don't you put us in a six-man match with Hulk and take it around the country, you know? 
because we would love to have been in a match with the Hulk as our partner. You know, he never that did awesome. that? Well, I'm going to tell you why Vince shied away from things like that, because I remember him saying so at one point. And it was the reason why he didn't like using factions, like because we were on him about like doing our own faction, you know, like DX and all that stuff for a while. Yeah. Like, but he didn't like to, he liked the main event to be just a singles match. So he only had to pay two guys. <laughs> That's true. Wow. That's true. Yeah. Well, bro, let me tell you, I, I heard it a thousand times on payoffs. Why someone else will be paid more than us. Oh, well, you or even merchandise. Well, I got to pay two you guys. Well, if Kurt yeah, was know. telling you that he was probably bullshit and just to stir the shit. Oh, yeah, he was bullshitting the stir of shit. And he, he also told us, and I remember my brother even telling me this, my brother, my brother Johnny, no, oh, everybody gets the same money percentage-wise from marketing around the horn. And then I found out later no, that was don't. total bullshit. Yeah. Guys like <laughs> Bill Holster and Bret Hart, everybody in Austin all made their different percentages on merchandise when we, no, you guys got to get the same as everybody else, that 0.05%, that half a percentage, whatever it is. Oh, brutal, yeah. Yeah, no, that be, that was BS. Cause I, yeah, no, I'm not gonna tell you what like the the numbers ended up being, but they were, they were like at least 50, between fifteen and like twenty five percent. Oh yeah, bro, and we were making a yeah. half a percentage. Yeah, point. no, we were getting right. And 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 I know for a fact, all our merchandise sold pretty close to hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, because you had the, the you year. had the foam shoulder pads, and they were so cheap to make, and yeah. they and they. Yep. They cost a little bit of money. I had them. Huh. And yeah. you know, the horrible thing about that, too, was is that I turned WWF on to that stuff. I, I mean, I knew the guy from Janko Corporation. Right. I met him on a plane, and I turned it on to Vince. I met him, and Vince's guy says uh, he makes the belts for you guys. He can make a pair of form-over shoulder pads, and Vince loves it. And then we started going to town, and they're still selling some of those things that are rolling around out of the U.K., Fans that fans have bought and they're selling them now. They're like three hundred fifty bucks. They're picked to sell them online mm, for. Yeah. But still, it was the point. You know, we always love to be businessmen like that and everything else, man. I tell you, bro, if it would have just been like you said, if we would have got treated like the top team or the top entity and been paid equally as good on merchandise and everything else, you wouldn't have seen Hawk go down the road he went down, and you wouldn't have seen anybody being unhappy at all you know what i mean you know this business sean sure if you're treated fairly you treated what you feel like you're worth there's never an argument yeah yeah and and part and like yes part of that is just being treated with respect and that like how you treat somebody like socially but like the best way to show someone how much you appreciate them is by giving them a fat paycheck mm-hmm. well yeah well i'm not telling you if they're making if they're making money for you yeah well just to tell you how everything started off on the wrong foot, you know, we had that agreement with with uh, with, with Crocker Promotions, and we were making good money there. And by the time we came around to go to WWF, we said, "Listen, we will come here. I know you don't do guaranteed contracts now, but you know, let's shake hands. That you know, we're able to make the same money when we come in there." And it absolutely shook hands. Yeah. Well, first year we made a hundred grand less. Mm-hmm. The second year we made a hundred grand less. Now. Two years, two hundred thousand dollars out of our pocket that we're looking for to be guaranteed money, right? And that just sent Hawk over the edge, bro. You know, it really did. I mean, that really stuck in Hawk's craw. You know, because we, we made a decision, we left our contract with WCW a year early to go over there, and then you get paid that like that, and that ended up starting the bad attitude era with with the Hawk. Bad attitude you know era, I mean? yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, he just listen. I'm a man's man. I'm not going to treat you like this. Somebody's going to tell me what to do, and that. 
just started spiraling downhill from that point on. Wow. Huh. Yeah, because that's a, like people don't understand. Oh, some people might think, oh, it's just a hundred grand less. What? Well, because well, I mean, how much you must have been making? Only a hundred grand. Yeah, but when you're paying taxes on a certain amount of money you're making every year, and then all of a sudden you get a hundred grand less, but you're still pay because you have to pay on estimates of what you made. Well, you got to look at that too, bro. Yes. You, you you get that you get that money no matter what you're making, and that tax bracket you're giving forty eight percent to the government, and then having to worry file your quarterly taxes on top of that and figure that out and pay in. like you said yep. and everything else and then then when the money doesn't come in you can't figure that out and then your payments are off and your scheduling's off and it ends up being penalties for you and it's, it's just a snowball effect how everything goes downhill yeah. you know what i mean and the fact that you're not treated as an equal anyway because you're not the single guy you know what i mean so we weren't given the commercial end of things we weren't mm -hmm. given the marketing end of things or or let's just say, you know how certain single guys always are on the promotional end of merchandise? Sure. Hawk and I were never on any commercial uh, advertising or anything for uh, products back then with WWF. Like right? video yeah. game covers and things like that? No, no, no. no. Yeah, no. Even all of the games where people would play it and play a tag team thing and you can't get those to beat everybody else, we were never on a video game cover, ever. Mm. You know? Which I couldn't understand why. Why, why wouldn't you? It's always a single guy on there. You never put a tag team on, on a cover, you know? Even when they did a tag team video game or a video, we were never on the cover. It's just, I don't know, man. It's just... Hey, listen, maybe we were just one of those teams he just forced to use us and he didn't like us really. <laughs> I don't buy I don't buy that though. I don't because I don't because I think I just think that I don't know, he's just such a I don't know. I don't want to speculate on that. Because yeah, it, yeah. It, it's it's a head scratcher for me. Hey, real, yeah, real quick. It was a head scratcher for you can imagine us in, in the moment. Yeah, it it's a little bit more than a head scratcher for you guys. But uh but hey, did you ever get did you ever give uh Darso shit about the demolition gimmick? I always wondered that. No, man. You know, people ask me about that all the time with demolition. I said, listen, both guys, Bill Eady, who was a mass superstar, and awesome. Barry Darso, I've yeah. known since I was 16 years old, is my friend. Yep. God, you know, Hawk and I were content in the Road Warrior gimmick that demolition wasn't going to bother us or our egos or sure. get to us. We were actually two different styles of wrestling. Yeah. And just because guys and I'm saying this not to disrespect anybody, but just because guys, you know, paint their face and wear spiky-looking vests or outfits doesn't make them badasses. Yeah. I mean, and not that because we were we were made as badasses, but we were really pretty much a product of our environment. Trying, We were really fighters trying to be wrestlers, to be honest with yeah. you. I mean, you know, I mean, that's what we were trying to be. We were trying to, you know, be guys that bounce in bars that, that learned how to wrestle, right? Which is different than two wrestlers trying to be fighters. If yeah. I'm explaining that right, oh, for sure. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. But but Barry is a, you know Smash is a friend of mine. Of man. course, I didn't give a crap if they. I said, man, more power to you. I hope you come millionaire off the gimmick. Oh, I for mean, sure. I, I meant mainly just as a rib, like, hey, man, hey, nice, you know, like just, you know, that's nice all I meant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, mean, I tell you what, the, the first time when we got in the the company there, we were hoping, and Barry and I talk about this all the time, mm -hmm. of being able to maybe have a, a year or two-year marriage with that, Sean. You know what I mean? People talked about that for four years. The Road Warriors and Demolition came into to the Road Warriors getting WWF to get against Demolition. And the very first time we wrestled them, we beat them in eight minutes. 
Oh, shit. Yeah, and I Damn. said to Barry, I said, well, now where do we go, bro? We just beat you guys. Mm. Was crushing on that? Said, uh, Crush was a part of it because, you know, when we went in there, we originally helped the Hart Foundation beat them for the belt. Right. So that was supposed to be, be the big angle for us to go off on our own. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was on one of the pay-per-views. So we did that. And Crush wasn't involved all the way, but he was involved a little bit. Mm. Hey, I, mean, Joe- I think at the time, Crush was just a convenience for Vince. Right, like when you put us together with the Ultimate Warrior, it was like a chance to put them put the third demolition guy in there, you know, because Crush was kind of like what Droz was going to be with Hawk. You know what I mean? Crush yes. came in because Billy was on his way out. He thought, and then he wasn't on his way out, and so they developed another third member of demolition as, as safety valve, and you know everything else. Mm-hmm. But no, it was a it was pretty much Bill and Barry. But you know, I was really disappointed when we went in there and we beat him right away because now we said, man, well, where's the angle we're going to do? And then pretty much right after that, they dismantled demolition. Mm. Mm. And you guys, hey, you guys, we're gonna we're gonna have to wrap up pretty soon. Yeah. Well, I want to know what are your thoughts on Cody Rose winning the NWA World Title? You know, um, I, I thought it was awesome, man. I, I, I think it, what it does, I think it gave the NWA title, which has been dead for a few years, some cloud again. Um, I, I tell you what, man, I know Sean tell you, behind the scenes, I was very, very impressed with the way Cody ran that show. Yep. He ran it like a total professional, man. He was calm, cool, collective. Nothing bothered him. He would remind, reminded me a lot of Dusty, you know? Dusty was always calm when he was directing TV shows and everything else, man. And, you know, and, uh, I mean, it was a great, to be honest with you, I say it all the time. It sounds funny because I've got to be a part of a lot of things in this wrestling business, achieved a lot of goals, a lot of things that guys like, you know, winning the three major t- company titles. No one else will be able to do that again. And to be associated with that all-in show was really freaking cool. I mean, you know, it's not just the way they did it, and how they got everybody involved, and just how professionally the matches were done. And the matches, 99% of them were great. You know, anybody that, that gets to that show, doesn't they may need to pull their head out of their ass. Just sound great. Yeah, you know what, Joe? I like about is I like how supportive you are of the of today's uh, product. Like, and and a lot of guys are going, "Oh, this shit nowadays." And yes, there's some things I disagree with, and I'm sure you do too. But there's a way of going about that and not and and still be uplifting to to the people in the industry now. Well, and yeah, you're doing that, you, you, Sean. You know how I think uh, things. Like, I mean, I'll even mention even with even with WWE, how you can get away from that. Yeah shit and all the backstabbing and bad nothing get guys from your and I's era in there helping them in the office and with the booking and the matches and get rid of the writers yeah. now you have guys that listen I always say this if you want to get to the Super Bowl are you going to get some guy that's never coached you're going to get Bill Belichick yeah. get yeah. the guys that have made it to the dance that teach young guys how to get to the dance Yeah, you can. You, that's always been my philosophy if you never that's drew money you can't teach someone how to draw money I'm sorry yeah, you're right. You're right. You you, you got to have that ability to relate to the people. And I think that's one thing that Hawk and I were able to do, man. We were able to relate to the people because we never insulted them in an interview. We always we always say, hey, man, we know what it's like. We're proud of you guys. We came from you people. You know, you remember my interviews, I used to say, hey, you, put down the bag of chips and the beer. I know what you're doing because I used to do it. Yeah, yep. You know, I, and you can relate to people in a sense where they can relate to you. And that's the main thing. And you're right. You cannot teach. You, one thing you can't teach in our business is charisma. You, you got it or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're either born with that, fat, that, that ability. But I think the guys 
that have made it to the dance, that know the charisma secret, that know how to do it, can see it in somebody young, worried. He could tell the boss of the company, listen, man, I, I disagree with you. This guy doesn't have it. He's not going to have it for right now. He may be okay to be a first match guy, but he's never going to be your main event guy to draw money. You know, and I think that somehow is missing a little bit. But I'm all about helping the new product, man. I love going around the country. I give seminars all the time. You hear me talk about it on my Water Rush podcast all the time. Yeah. I love going and giving back to the business because I'm a, I'm a coach at heart. Man, I coached all my kids, coached yeah. my son James, you know, that made it to the NFL. I did all this stuff. My son Joe, my daughter Jessica, you know, so I love that part of the wrestling business of life. You have a coach, but you see him succeed. You know, it's, it's just, I think more guys from our era, if, if they were given the ability to coach and turn back to help, I think you would see they would be willing to do it. Yeah. That was actually my last question to you. Your son, James, recently retired from the NFL. Did he had ever seek you out for any possible career change into wrestling? You know, he really didn't need it, man. He made so much money. It's ridiculous. I mean, he made, you know, the rock type money in nice. freaking football. So he really didn't need to go into wrestling. And to be honest with you, when he saw some of the difficulties that I was having after Hawk was gone in the wrestling business and everything else and not being able to go in there and be an agent and stuff, he goes, I'm not putting myself through any of that stuff, Dad. He goes, I'm seeing what you did. He goes, I'm no way I'm going to go deal with that crap. And, you know, and I wasn't very vocal about what went on. He just saw the stress that yeah. they were taking on me and the toll had taken on me, you know. And, you know, right now he, you know, he's on the Big Ten Network every Sunday and Monday. He goes to Chicago, film the Big Ten wrap-up at the end of the week. And he uh, he just told me today he's going out and doing uh, four Fox games at the NFL this year, this year with Tony Romo. And uh, he's got his own re- ESPN radio show. So he's plenty busy now he's retired. And he's such a smart, intellectual <laughs> kid that his football knowledge, it's really easy for him to do that on TV. You know, and he, he's he's good, proper English, speaks well, and, and uh, he's got a good head on his shoulder. So, but don't hey, don't get me wrong, I don't think he wasn't like a big kid like at WrestleMania, as, yeah. you know, as a grown man in college, hitting the ropes and bouncing off the ring when he had a chance to before the show started because he, he loves the wrestling business. I remember the first time, if we got time here, yeah, we, we do, cut off, for sure. We were at the St. Paul Civic Center in St. Paul, and and uh, had James's hockey team down there, they were like 12 years old. And uh, I'm backstage with Austin, Steve Cole, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and, and uh, the kids are in the ring. I bought him there a couple hours early just to bounce around in the ring a little bit. And he goes, Joe, your boy out there? I said, yeah. He goes, which one? I said, well, the one with the big ears and big feet, man. He's trying, trying to grow into his ears and feet out there. He, he was like a baby Huey, James, at the time. He goes, he goes, here, hold this. He gave me a spit cup, you know, with his Copenhagen. Yeah. Uh, he goes, flip that switch. I flipped that switch, and Austin's music played. And Steve takes off running down to the ring. And you can imagine 12, 12 year old little boys in the ring when Stone Cold Steve Austin came down the ring. They're going, holy crap. Oh, yeah. The only kid that stayed in the ring when Austin hit the ring was James. And without blinking an eye, Steve grabs James and says, James, come off the ropes. Watch your stomach. I'll give you a stunner. And James is the rope. Steve <laughs> kicked him in the stomach. Boom, gave James a stunner. And James sold it. And then, then all the 11 kids jumped in the ring on Austin because they, now they were comfortable with it. Yeah. James does, you know. And it was just funny. But those kind of memories, man, I don't think Steve even knows what kind of lasting uh, impression that made on, you know, 12-year-old little boys. You know what Oh, I mean? I'm sure. Lifetime cool. memory. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and sure. I always tell guys, uh, people, I said, the guys in our business, most of them are big kids at heart, you know, yeah. that, that, that for one reason or another, whether you got in trouble or you blew out a D or something else, could have been a pro in other sports in this, in this world, you know. 
or could have been a college athlete or could have been something different or could have been a black belt in karate or something, you know yep. what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, we couldn't do it, man. But but the impression he made on my son at that point, you know, and James talks about it to this day, it's just that's the kind of guys we have in this wrestling business that I think behind the scenes a lot of people don't know about us. They know that we're this big, burly, mm-hmm. kick-your-ass type, kick-ass and take names type people. But at the end of the day, we're people, too, that got families and kids ourselves, you know? Right. Hey, Joe, how, like, how are you enjoying being a podcaster? And, and where can we find that? And when are you going to have me on your show? Yeah, man. I was just, as a matter of fact, I was just talking uh, to Corey, who talked to Sean about that. Yeah. I said, man, when I saw you here this the, this last event, I said, man, we've got to have Sean on our radio show. But yeah, man, you know, it's a one of us podcast. It's on the Creative Control Network. And uh, having fun doing it, it's kind of cool. You know, I get to call my old buddies and talk about different things. And I find out on my podcast with the right in the email questions, we got everybody wants to know what you know, life was like on the road and how yeah. it was wrestling these guys, this guy, or that guy, or whatever. And they like to hear about more or less the uh, older wrestling stories than they do even about the newer products for some reason. They I don't sure know, do. You know, yep. But, but uh, you know, but you know, I was lucky to have fans that you know crossed over three different generations. You know, the young yeah. ones, the middle aged, and the older guys. So it's kind of cool. I get questions from all over the spectrum. Nice. But it's pretty cool, man. I get to interview different people. You know, I, I've had football players, I've had baseball players, I've had mostly wrestlers. You know, but yeah. you know, guys that really appreciate our business. You know, as a po- in a positive manner. You know what I mean? So yeah, man, it's, it's pretty cool, bro. I, I like nice. it. Well, um, Joe. I'm so grateful that you took, and you, I mean, you took quite a bit of time with us today, <laughs> even jet lag, just getting off a plane from Africa. So um, I'm really grateful for that, Joe. And uh, is there any last thing? Where can we find you on social media before we go? No, nah, man, you, you can get a hold of me on my uh, at Road Warrior at, R, at RW Animal on my, my Twitter or yeah. uh, at What Podcast or my, you know, my real name, Joseph Ornitis on Facebook. Send me a message if he wants to get a hold of me for any booking dates or stuff like that, man. I'll answer you right back and, uh, and, uh, and stuff like that, man. But no, bro, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Sean, as you always, too. man. You know, every time I see you, it's always a good time to see you, bro. You're yeah. one of the great guys in this wrestling business, you know? Thank you, Joe. And it was awesome to see you too, man. And you look amazing right now, by the way. I just wanted to say no, that. bro. Yeah. I, I, I just had my 58th birthday, bro. Yeah. I'm getting up there in age now, but. I can still go, but you know, it's funny, you know, with Hulk being gone, I just don't have any intensity to get back in the ring. You right. know what I mean? Sure. I mean, I, I'll do it once in a while, but I, I like now at this point, I just like to see the fans, you know, take pictures with them and, you know, and, uh, and let them put on the shoulder pads and let them feel what it was like to be a member of the Yellow D for five minutes anyway, you know? Yep. Well, Joe, hey, thank you again, my friend, and um, I look forward to coming on your show. Ladies and gentlemen, one half of the greatest tag team of all, Time. Yeah. Real Warrior Animal. Yeah. yeah. Well, Thank you so much. Back rock, guys. Remember. <laughs> yes. Thank That's you awesome. so much. Well, Jimbo. Follow you on Twitter at the Real Xbox. Yes. Please subscribe to the channel, uh, youtube.com slash Xbox. We're at 800 subscribers. Get us to 1,000. We're doing a free pin giveaway. Yep. Uh, Sean will be in Saget, Illinois, Friday, October 19th for Glory Pro with uh, Scott Norton and Buff Bagwell. Yeah, Animal was just plugging that like earlier this week. He's gonna. He, I don't think he's going to be there, but he's part of that promotion. The Glory anyway, Pro. Yeah. Tickets so. at TicketWeb. Follow me on Twitter at Jimbo in the Booth. Awesome. You guys can talk to me mm-hmm. on Twitter and on Instagram at underscore Denise Salcedo. Please check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Denise Salcedo. At Jay Quasto, uh, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood every single week. And I'm filming my first comedy special Sunday, November 11th at the oh, right. Improv. Yeah. 
At where? At the, at the what? Brea Improv. Oh, so if awesome. you want to go, free tickets, hit me up on social media. Nice. Yeah. All right, everyone. We'll see. I think we're going to have Scott Norton on next week. And cool. we'll see you right here. Uh, F- how, do, how does that go again? On Xbox TV. TV. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to try this it. again. See you right here next week. Uh, after Buzz TV, the Jericho Network and Westwood One. Boom. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Sean Waltman, producers Mark B. Donica, Jimbo Frank, and the entire Xbox 12360 staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in. Like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube. Follow Xbox on Twitter at The Real Xbox and email us at Xbox12360show at gmail.com. The Westwood One Podcast Network.